Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffy. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness! And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we! A proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, boy, oh boy, wowee, Thursday after the grand final. We're heading into trade period next week. Quarters, welcome to the show. Thank you, Duff. The Duff and Quarters podcast, we are brought to you by Tab Touch as usual. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly and please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 if you run into any difficulties. All right, Quarters, it's silly season. Um. It feels like it's arrived early. It's like an early rain. Hey, can I open with a bit of an interesting segue before we get on to the other important stuff? Do you reckon the AFL is privately spewing about what's going on in the NRL Grand Final this weekend? Because we did see a Sydney side underachieve on Grand Final Day in the AFL. Yeah. And we've got two teams from Western Sydney fighting it out in the NRL Grand Final on Sunday, Parramatta and Penrith. The AFL's battleground... I've just, just not escaped my attention that, that I reckon they'd be privately thinking, yeah, no, it's not a good result for us. And there'll be, it'll be humming out at Homebush because that's in the middle of... Middle of Western Sydney. Middle of Western Sydney, so... By the way, my tip's Penrith, but that's an easy tip. They're going for back-to-back. No team has won it in 30 years back-to-back, I'm told, uh, and Parramatta haven't won one since 1986, so a bit to play for for both teams. So 1986, when... Was that Peter Sterling? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's a long time ago. I remember Sterling running around with the shoulder pads and the yeah. ba- baggy dacks. And yeah. So, um, oh, look like a kid in a pair of PJs, two years too old for him. He could play, though. He could play. Yeah. Yep. Um, we should open with the Essendon coaching position. So, it sounds like it's Brad Scott's to lose. I would agree with that. You know, the interesting thing here is clearly he's embedded in the AFL as their footy boss. He. See, he saw a long career there for himself because, of course, you can climb through the ranks there. I'm not sure if the AFL hasn't seen him as a good result for that Essendon job and probably said to him, mate, go away for five, have some success, hopefully get a flag, and it's a big club. We'd like them to be successful, and I think later on there'll always be a job back here for you. There's always a job for people in footy, isn't there? They they reinvent them and um, resuscitate them and regurgitate them. But I think them it and... would be a good choice. So obviously the candidates are Adam Uze, and I, I sort of feel well, he may still get the job. By the way, I feel sorry for Adam Uze. He keeps missing. He's always the bridesmaid. So he, I'm told they were very close to drawing up a contract for Adam Uze at GWS. Now I don't know how he got pipped, but I'm told it was that close. That's how close he came, um, and now. He would have been, I would say, the guy at Essendon. But if Brad Scott has interest, we believe Brad Scott will get the job. I think that Essendon is a is not a job for a first time coach. Yeah, I agree. Like that, it's a bit of a snake pit, right there at the moment. 
Um, apologies to all the Bomber fans, but that's what it is. Um, it certainly looked that way for John Worsfold. It certainly looked that way for Ben Rutten. It looked that way for Matthew Knights going back um, over a decade. So hopefully a older, wiser, harder head will be able to manage uh, things a little bit better than, say, a first-time coach who may get chewed up. And, and, a, strong, and a strong football person, which is what they need. Yeah, yeah. Not that Wush is not a strong football person, but I think, and he's had he's had nine and a half years at North, two preliminary finals. He was a very, very good coach. Yep. You almost he overachieved with that list, really, didn't he? Um, Brad Scott. Yep, absolutely. Brad Scott's a rock solid coach. Yeah, and I'm often reminded by what um, something that Brian Cook said to me. Brian Cook, one of the great CEOs absolutely. of his time in the AFL, he said clubs shouldn't waste too much time trying to find the absolute best coach they should just make sure they get a guy that can coach he said because there are some blokes that can't he said avoid the one that can't and the one that can will be fine and he will ebb and flow with your list Mm. basically um, 85 to 90 percent of it is about the list and and that's hard to argue with so we're discounting james heard from this job all but i think so yeah all but to me it's Brad Scott's to lose, and to me, even if Brad Scott walks away, I would have thought Adam Uze is probably more likely than James Heard. So James Heard would be no better than Plan C at this stage, yep. I'm guessing. Hawthorne. Now, yes, so what's happened overnight? So Alistair Clarkson has um, uh, released another statement saying he thought the reviewers, uh, he feared the review was irrevocably corrupted uh, due to widespread reporting of claims and they've obviously this report from Phil Egan has been leaked to News Corp and it has appeared in News Corp and we've run excerpts of it in the Seven West um, he has grave concerns that it will be there will be natural justice and they'll be treated fairly um, that comes in the wake of uh, some more emails concerning former President Andrew Newbold who's taken a leave of absence from the AFL Commission regarding um, some alleged emails sent to him from uh, the uh, partners of players. Uh, and then on the heels of that was the AFL Coaches Association yesterday saying we need to expedite this process, we need to get it moving. There's still no four-man panel being selected. We hope that's imminent. I think a lot of people are reluctant to be on this panel. Okay. They know what an explosive issue this is and they know the potential for personal damage. Um, an issue like this where we're talking about it's a, an Indigenous issue, it's potentially a human rights issue. All, I agree with that. All of those things. And the divide in our society, which is still there, whether we like it or not, it's still there. Um, you're going to get people on both sides of that divide coming for you, uh, depending on what the outcome is. So I, th- I think they're finding it hard to find people with the right qualifications who will be uh, prepared to put their name to this. Quarters, I'm going to throw one in on this as well. What we have read is horrible and disgraceful if it's proven to be correct. Absolutely. But what I would also say is that this has been narrowed to an issue on race. I think there's an argument that the way coaches have spoken to players generally, whether Indigenous or not, has been in many cases unacceptable in the past. And I think we're starting to get past that with a new generation of coaches but I think if we looked at a lot of things that were said to people, not just Indigenous players, and clearly the way these Indigenous people have been treated, again, if it's proven to be correct, has been a disgrace 
and a potential breach of their rights as humans. Um, but I reckon there's a lot of really ordinary stuff has been said to sports people. Well, yes, over the years, I think I think if you go back, we're talking, you know, the last 10, 15 years in this particular instance. If you go back further than that, there would be some horrendous things said to footballers. Yeah. Um, and that's Indigenous and non-Indigenous. Um, you know, threats, probably, probably acts of physical violence. I would have thought bullying and intimidation was almost a tool in mm. the coaches, um, in the toolbox. Yes, not that I'm implicating David Noble in any of this, but it was interesting this year you talked about we've all, we're moving into a new phase now. We saw David Noble earlier in the year give his players a good old-fashioned spray and then next week apologise. Yeah. So that's where we're moving now with this new generation of footballers. And if you don't, you're not going to get the results, I don't think, because you're just going to polarise people and divide groups. But back in the day, I think even, you know, the Eagles in their, you know, in the 90s had their, you know, leadership groups who would, uh, when players were deemed to have stepped out of line, they would haul them in and deal with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but if you looked at it in today's parameters, it would not stand the pub test, that's for sure. That's exactly right. It just wouldn't. It would, and what's they were more, different times, but um, I think yeah. You're, so you're suggesting that this could go outside. Just, no, it's more an observation yeah. than a than a prediction as to where this will head. I, I think the AFL will want this dealt with. They will know that they'll be held to a very high standard in how they deal with this. I think it's going to be very difficult for the AFL to reach one of its famous negotiated outcomes on this. And um, so... I don't see a problem with... I don't see the need for a rush with this, though. I think this has to be thorough. And if that means that the stay of absence continues for Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan into next year, then so be it. You put caretakers in. I, I know it's untidy, but I just think it's more important to be thorough and get through this and do it the right way than rush through it because it looks tidy. Let's talk about trade news. Oh, yeah. Let's move on to that. Please do. But uh, So today, West Coast might have a new player. 27-year-old Jaden Hunt. You'd remember him from his uh, big red headband and his dashes out of defence. So he's quick, which is good for the Eagles. Yeah. But he's, I think there has been a question mark about his disposal, about his kicking. Yeah, he's not precise. Um, he's more a um, – there is a saying here. The first part of the saying is rip. And the third word is bust, and there's a word in the middle. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, he's a bit of that. You know, he he he's a tear away. He's really fast, really fast, which enables him to match up on people at half back. Be interesting to see whether they see him as a as a defender or a wingman. I reckon. Yeah, I, I I thought that straight away when I saw his name connected with West Coast. He's a free agent. Yeah, so um, that. You know, he ticks a lot of boxes for West Coast. Fast. He won't cost anything in terms of draft picks at the trade table. Um, and he's probably gettable. He's been on the fringes at Melbourne for some time well, he now. He played 21 this year, or 23 this year. Played 21 last year. Uh, unlucky for him, he missed out in a grand final berth. I think he'd rolled an ankle a couple of weeks out. But would have probably played in the grand final. Um, so he was unlucky. So he's played... The last two years, pretty well much much of the season, uh, in a pretty good team. So he is a good player. Yeah, he has been in and out a little bit, um, but it is, it's a very good team and a very good back line. And he's had to squeeze into that. I don't forget that he's competing against people like, well, you've got the two talls, um, obviously May and Lever. You've got the third tall, Harry Petty. You've got Christian Salem. So that leaves two spots. So there's not a lot of room I to manoeuvre. I can at, see at him on a wing at West Coast. Yeah. For sure. Now, 
from Fremantle's perspective, talk that they're circling Gold Coast Josh Corbett and also Jeremy Sharp. Don't rule West Coast out with Jeremy Sharp as yep. well. I suspect West Coast is sitting one out and one back on that one and just waiting to see what happens. Jeremy Sharp, keen to come home. I believe just struggling to win the confidence and respect of um, Stuart Jew. So maybe in his interest to come home and see if he can um, play going on at Gold Coast. Yeah, so Jack Bowles, top 10 pick, uh, big salary, 850 next year and a considerable amount the year after. So they've kept back-ending his contracts and they get now it's got a, to a point of no return. So they're going to uh, salary dump him with pick seven. So I think we can probably discount the two local teams because he has indicated he wants to move to Victoria. I think yeah. he's from Queensland. Yeah. So, I mean, otherwise you'd be all in, surely. Wow. Pick Jeep. seven for pick seven alone. And this is a top 10 kid who can play defence, can play midfield, possibly forward. So you'd, you'd have a look at it. Well, you'd have a look at pick seven. You'd have a look at pick seven. That's right. I've got to say, are we comfortable with salary dumping? No. I'm not. No. And I thought the the AFL's edict on this a week or so ago, where they basically said, yep, yeah, we're okay with it, that, that sends a terrible message. The thing about player contracts, quarters is that possession is nine-tenths of the law. So you can sign a bloke on the most irresponsible of contracts going around and then salary dump another bloke out of the building, which is what happened to Adam Trelaw at Collingwood. Um, it, Will Brody. Will Brody. Uh, Will Brody at um, from Gold Coast to Fremantle and pick nineteen was slightly different, but there a couple was a of change exchanges of picks. But pick nineteen and Will Brody effectively. Brody Grundy, yeah, looking who, likely to go to Melbourne, and and obviously Melbourne is keen on the replacement Ruckman. But, Sam Mitchell Hawthorne, um, yeah, it just I just don't Tom Mitchell. Sorry, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Like surely there should be some penalty for a team that's so stuffed up at salary cap. That it has to do this. So, what do you reckon Carlton would say now? Um, from all those years ago. Well, Carlton didn't salary dump; they salary cap cheated. I know they salary cap cheated, but if you could brown dump, paper bags and the like, I understand all of that. But I'm just saying, you will own a deli around the corner from Princess Park. <laughs> I actually know a bloke that was offered to. Really? Yes, the deli around you, the corner. From there's Princess a deli Park. around the corner from Princess Park. Uh, you won't work there. You will never have to go there, but you will be the recipient of the proceeds of that deli. <laughs> this uh, is from back in the eighties. But I don't. I'm not comfortable with it. It's basically endorsing you getting it horribly wrong with your salary cap, with your TPP. So I don't like it, but it's here to stay. The AFL has all but endorsed it, and I think after last year and the year before, you can't not. But they're moving forward with it. So this is this is a sign of things to come. It's horrible. It it really is. It sends a horrible message. It portrays the industry in a horrible light and it's almost like the AFL putting it in the too hard basket it's happening we can't do much about it therefore um, and you know the other thing is that the AFL is always under pressure to facilitate rather than obstruct player movement which is down the pathway could be uh, there could be legal recourse that's right. so and that's why they and it's not going to win in court absolutely no. and you know and I think it's bad it looks they're bad headlines when you're salary cap when you're over a salary cap so and the pen penalties are huge so will we ever see a team breaching the salary cap again um, no probably not we've just seen a lot of players a lot of players being dumped onto the market and a lot of these messy Things where, and it's very difficult for the the frontier state teams. We have to add because um, they get all this 
access to elite young talent and then they have to keep it. They're not playing in front of big crowds. There's a big go-home factor with the players. They have to pay overs to try and get them to commit to new contracts. Now, basically what we're seeing at Gold Coast at the moment is this next generation of players being retained at the expense of the previous generation who couldn't quite get it done for them. So Jack Bowes was a pretty solid player in his time, but he's just not an $800,000 a no, year player. No, um, not They got by, it horribly wrong. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we'll go through a few names here. Uh, Blake Akers, we expect these to go through early Monday. So trade week starts on Monday. Blake Akers to Carlton for a future third, we believe. Uh, Bobby Hill, uh, GWS to Collingwood, future second. Billy Frampton, Adelaide to Collingwood, future fourth. Uh Logue, unsettled yet. We may hear more about that today. We're here. Well, Jack Gunston's indicated as a unrestricted free agent. He will be moving to Brisbane. So you'd think Logue, there's that package of future second, future third. You'd think that Logue and Tucker would be part of that. If that's the package that's being sent to North Melbourne to help them trade, you'd, I'd expect... So f- where is the future second in that? Is it early future second? Well, you'd expect... Um, so it's, where, it's where North Melbourne would finish right next now. year. Okay. So I would say, yeah, I'd, I'd, you'd expect North Melbourne to be, what, bottom six next year? Yep. So I'd be expecting that to be... We're okay with that with Lowe, being a top ten pick? I'm, I would be okay with that. Um, Fremantle might think it's a bit unders. They might think picking the teams. But let's not forget this is a guy who wasn't in their best six defenders and they found a use for him because they know he's valuable and an athletic beast. Um, I think he's got upside and I think he'll grow into a very good player. Um, but I but I also think Freo has to temper their trade ambitions for him a little bit because he was a guy they found a use for because they knew he had value, but all his more specific uses, they had better options. In Future those. second sounds better than him being walked through the preseason draft. Yeah, for Fremantle, absolutely. Um, the other interesting one overnight, so Josh Dunkley wins the BNF at the Western Bulldogs. Uh, he's indicated he wants to go to Brisbane. So that's going to be an interesting story in itself. How does Brisbane facilitate that? They're going to have to bid high for what we expect um, Ashcroft to be the number one pick. Uh, Fletcher is, we think, somewhere in the 20s, if not slightly earlier than that. They're going to have to find the draft points to match bids on them and still try and satisfy the Western Bulldogs. And as Luke Beveridge said after he won the BNF overnight, they're going to have to pony up Duff. So this is two in a row for Josh Dunkley, two BNS in a row. Okay. I think so. I think he won last year as well. That's interesting, isn't it? Um, he's a very good player, Josh Dunkley. Oh yeah, I reckon the the two WA clubs would have loved to get their hands, particularly Fremantle. Fremantle could do with that big bodied mid, you know, mm. the beast inside. Um, it, it, it enables them if they can get Nathan Five fit next year. It enables them to do other things with Nathan Five, I reckon. So um, yeah, Josh Dunkley is a I would have said he was their best player in their finals loss to Fremantle. Best or second best? Yeah, Him and Marcus Bond. I would agree with that. Uh, Richmond, well, there's still – we expect Hopper and Tarano from GWS to get there on that. Jacob Graham. And, ja- and Jack, Jack Graham. Graham with that, that freeway that's been built between Gold Coast and Richmond. No tolls on it. You just, just drive straight through. Yes. You know, Lynch. yes. Um, uh, Jack Graham, who went over to Adelaide uh, just to visit family. And on the way, happened to pop into Port Adelaide Football Club, have a chat. So well, he sees himself being squeezed out in this fair. He's only well, 24, isn't he? Yeah, you would. Yeah. If you were Jack Graham, you would absolutely see yourself. So being I think we out. expect to see him at Port next year. Um, and the other interesting thing there is going to be so Carl Amon goes to Hawthorne. 
we expect a uh, maybe end of first round, early second round compensation for that. But then again, the herbs and spices come into play, don't they, Duff? The herbs and spices? Well, we're talking... Colonel Sanders' secret recipe. Yeah, we're talking about the 11 herbs and spices. By the way, I Googled that one day, made it, and it tastes exactly the same. Really? Yes, it's it's incredible experiment. Try it at home. It's, it's fun. Um, so we're talking about the AFL's compensation policy, which we don't know what it is because they've never revealed it. And Duff, I don't think there is one. Right. I think they just decide at the time. They make it up as they go along. I think so. Otherwise, we'd know what it is. So it's basically to do with games played, age, and... It's what they're offered as well. Yeah, what they're offered as well. So the size of the contract has a big bearing on this. So when Chris Main went to Collingwood, a mate of mine at Barracks for Collingwood's filthy. Because they offered him so much, it meant that Fremantle got quite a high compensation pick for Chris Main, and he... For years and years, he said, Chris Mayne's not worth it. Chris, And funny part about it was Chris Mayne ended up having a very solid career. He did at Collingwood, at yeah. At Collingwood. He sort of looked like he was done, and then he rallied and came back and reinvented himself and actually played really strong footy. So I always say to my mate, oh, Chris Mayne ended up being a pretty good player for you, mate. And uh, he's, he's never quite gotten his head around. But, yeah, it, it comes down to length of tenure at new club, size of contract at new club, all of those things dovetail into what the compensation is. You were absolutely right. We don't know exactly what the formula is. <laughs> it's very funny when we come to this time of year, the herbs and spices gets rolled out, photos of the colonel everywhere. Uh, and we, we and the other interesting manoeuvrings are Tanner Broom, we think, will go from GWS to Geelong, and Ollie Henry possibly from Collingwood to Geelong. Pretty good player, Ollie Henry. And, of course, his brother Jack plays for Geelong, was a premiership player now. So so was um, Ollie Henry, he was a local, yeah, a, a Geelong boy? Yes. This is one of the things that Geelong has in its favour, isn't it? We talk about the go-home It's like a father-son. As good as a father-son, isn't it? It is. It's, it's a, yeah, Patrick Dangerfield went home on moderate money. This is the key to Danger. Danger didn't take the... King Hell smash and grab contract to go home to Geelong. He just wanted to go home. Yeah, it was a lifestyle choice, yeah. And Same as Jeremy Cameron, who's from the Western Districts. Yeah. And we saw him chasing cows around at the weekend. How good was that? Yes. Medals around the cows next and one took off. <laughs> <laughs> Big mistake, Jeremy. You should know that. Well, Chooks right. laid eggs too for the first time in months. As long as it's a cow, not a bull. Yeah, oh yeah. And as long as you stay away from the other end. The other end is where you can get kicked in the head and it can really hurt. I've been chased by a bull. It's not It's not fun. No. 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 Didn't realise I could jump so high either. Well, your small hands would have made it more difficult to climb the fence. Oh, no, I just jumped straight over the fence. This thing was coming towards me. Um, but we digress. So <laughs> this is the time of year. There's going to be some really interesting trades. I think Gunston's – it's interesting that Hawthorne to Brisbane, isn't it, again? We've seen it with Birchill. We saw it with Hodge. And you know what? I don't That's think... got to be the Fagan influence, doesn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely it is. Yeah, and if, as long as he's there next year, I'm sh- or, or at the start of the season at least. Um, I don't think... I think that's a good move. I think Jack's... He's had a tough year. He lost his father. He's been good to Hawthorne. Hawthorne's been good to him. I don't think anyone would begrudge him that. He's 30 years of age. Uh, chase another flag. Um, we saw it with Isaac Smith at Geelong. I think it's a good move for Jack Gunston. And I think with, with uh, McStay looking to go to Collingwood, I think it's a good move for Brisbane to bring him in. So, okay, that's fine. But didn't we – we sort of thought the Brisbane forward line was a bit same-same. Do you think he's same-same? Well, he's not 
a body up player, is he? No, but where's I, their body up forward? He's really clever and he can kick you three or four. I agree with that. Yeah. He's a money man when he gets the ball. He's a smart player. No, they don't really have that body up player, so, so they're going to have to get inventive. And McStay was kind of that player. Wasn't yeah, he? he was. I'm not saying he was a great player. He was he the was, best they had. Yeah. He's not really that kind of player, but the best version of it that they had. Yeah. So, no, Gunston is not that player. But I think he's very talented, and I think he I think he can play a role. They're just going to get inventive with that, that hit up forward, that hard forward they're going to need. What about Lockie Hunter? I saw a fake trade. You know how they, on these, yes. on Twitter, they do these fake trades, suggesting that Lockie Hunter could be part of the Rory Lobb trade to the Western Bulldogs if that gets done. What do you think okay. of that? Fake trade. A fake trade. Jeez, well, I don't know. So he goes, Lockie Hunter goes to... Fremantle. Fremantle. To replace Blake Akers. Yeah, I'd ha- oh, you'd be happy with that if you were free, eh? Yeah. I rate Lockie Hunter. Yeah. be interesting to see. I I don't know. I don't know whether the doggies would be... Uh, well, they, w- they probably didn't want to lose another. No. Um, so, I'm uh, not sure, too, too sure about that. They might do to get the Roy Lobb trade done. They do need tools. I did laugh the other day when Colin Young said that uh, Aaron Norton would be playing second fiddle to Roy Lobb. Roy Lobb would be the primary target. Really? <laughs> I, really? I heard some talk late last year that they were the reason Lobb was going there was they were thinking of giving Norton a stint back because that was the area in which they were lacking. Yeah. I'd still be kicking to Aaron, Aaron Norton. Yeah, so would I. Aaron Norton's a bit more unconditional with how he goes at the footy, mm. I think. Yeah, Roy Lobb goes okay. Roy Lobb... Had a good year. ...on a good day... Goes really well, and Roy Lobb. If Roy Lobb plays for the Western Bulldogs, let's say he gets. I think there. Lobb and Norton in that forward line. Is Josh Bruce retired? No, but he's he comes off the knee. Yeah, it wasn't great. They do have some issues down the other end. I noticed they had Ryan Gardner in the top ten of their best and fairest. Um, I think at the very least, Ryan Gardner needs some help. Had someone else coming into that defence. Uh, there might be. I'm. A, I was a bit surprised that they weren't. Strong in the bidding for Griffin Logue, to be honest. To me, Griffin Logue was right in their wheelhouse. They were in it early, weren't they? They might have been, certainly. And then I think the offer was couldn't match the offer that North was. Yeah, North was a good offer, I believe, yeah. Um, so, and there have been a couple of other crazy or fake trades, I suppose. Cozzy Pickett, uh, I don't think he'll be leaving Melbourne, in, at least in the short term. He's got a new, another year of his contract to go. Yeah, if you're, not, if you're Melbourne, you're not letting Cozzy Pickett go. Um, that would be to go home to. Adelaide, I presume. Yep. Do do we are we any further along in working out how the Isaac Rankin trade gets done? No quarters. But they'll. I think Gold Coast want whoever takes him to <clears throat> pony up. Yes, and so they should too. Mm. Um, if he's if the money they're paying at Adelaide for Isaac Rankin is on the money, then that has to be a top ten. Should have had a pick. quiet word to Isaac halfway through the year and said, "Mate, just." Ten- Taper the form off a bit, will you? Because he had a pretty good year, <laughs> Isaac Rankin. He's a very talented player. Yeah. He's got more upside too. He's just scratching the surface of his capability. I and think. you know my thoughts on all of that with the caveat import issued by Adelaide when he and Lacosius were picked up. I didn't like that. I thought that was tantamount to draft tampering. They got a, a bit of a tap on the knuckles and that's it. Uh, I didn't like it. And I don't like it that he's they've ended up getting their man. But, well, they haven't yet. But I think they will. They'll, they'll get that deal done. Uh, it's an interesting exodus from Gold Coast. It's funny how the footy gods tend to get you when you pull Swifties like that. It's funny how sometimes the player gets there and then gets an injury and doesn't play much. Yeah. Well, let's not wish that on him. But, no. Uh, but Malcolm Blight's theory on the footy gods, I, I reckon the footy gods are around somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so. Should we touch on the Waffle Grand Final, Duff? 
Yes. So they're trying to play it down, but surely this is all about Darren Harris v Claremont. So this was fascinating, wasn't it? 2020, Claremont and South Fremantle play in a grand final at Fremantle Oval. So at South Fremantle's home ground, Claremont goes down by two points in an absolute cracker of a game. A cracker of a game. They all but win it, and then they sack their coach 10 days later. Wow. That's brutal. They're ruthless at the Tigers. <laughs> That's brutal. Um, well, I don't know. They, they're about, you know, they're not far from where I live, and I have to say they look like a pretty cute and cuddly sort of a club to me, <laughs> but that was as brutal a call it was. as I have ever seen in footy. I think his card may have been marked way before that grand final. Yeah, but, mate, if a coach's job is to win premierships... He got two within two points. And you're within a kick of doing it, you know, jeepers. So he coaches West Perth, so uh, a, a very decorated, much decorated West Perth player, um, now coaching his side against Claremont, the old foe. Ash Prescott, so I think he coached him to three grand final defeats, didn't he, in his first incarnation? So it, there's a lot of um, subplots to this. The other thing is um, get out there. Uh, well, if you can get a ticket, because we hope it's a sellout. It'll be a sellout. Uh, the surface looks good. Now, yeah. we've smashed this, the Leaderville over the surface, but they, it does. It has come up. Well, it looks good anyway. Let's hope it plays as good as it looks. Well, they just need to roll it a bit, don't they, and make sure it's not lumpy and bumpy. Let's so just hope it doesn't shift too much. That'll be the... The way they lay these... Um, uh, this fresh turf now. It's not like the old days. Remember the famous one at uh, Waverley when Luke O'Sullivan did his knee and they put down one metre squares and the, yeah. the, the squares were lifting? It's not like that anymore. My understanding is they're like something like three metres by three metres. They don't shift much. Turf that big. It's rolled out. Uh, it's quite wide. It's quite stable. I would be... I, I think we've seen them do it at AFL level and have the game ready for play days later. So I'm not expecting any issue. No, I haven't got a map in front of me, but they're shutting down a lot of the precinct. Yep. So there'll be a bit of, there'll be decorations. This is a, sounds like it's going to be an old style 1970s grand final. That's fantastic. With the, you know, windows dressed up and what have you. And it's a good precinct too, Leaderville. So I think it's a good choice uh, for the venue. Obviously, Optus Stadium would have been the preferred, preferred venue. Can't be played there. They have an England-Australia ODI. They needed 21 days to drop the pitch in and get it right, so they couldn't play the game there for that. But uh, good luck to both teams. Who's your pick? I'm going to go with Claremont. I know that so West, I. West Perth has been the better team, and West Perth will have the longer break. Claremont has a good record against West Perth. Um, but having said that, given what we've talked about, about the Darren Harris factor... The coach will be very motivated, and if the, he's not play, he's not kicking a footy though. No, but he's got his players playing for him, and I reckon they'll be thinking, you know, let's do one for the coach and let's stick it up him. So mm. it'll be a great game. Now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the thirsty camel mailbag. What is before you get onto that? Um, just staying on the waffle, Blaine Bokhorst. Oh, yes, sorry, we should have mentioned. Uh, yeah. Well done. Uh, did his knee with four rounds to go. Did the ACL. So hopefully it doesn't, but it could spill the end of his career. Uh, held so on. His second? Yeah, his second ACL. Um, he's sort of forecast that he's got to have to, some serious thought about what he does. Um, but survived a thrilling finish. Great win. Uh, uh, yeah, deserved Sandover medalist. Joins a pantheon of greats. Yep. Um, very, very good player at that level. Blaine never quite translated to the next level, but he's a super waffle player. 
So this one from Matt. Matt from Leeming here. Uh, Trevor Nisbet may like to run a tight salary cap, but to get aggressive in their rebuild, taking on a big money deal with top a top 10 pick should be considered, since the AFL now ridiculously let clubs salary dump with no penalty. A couple of trades that could fast-track the rebuild. Rotham and a future third for Bowles plus seven. Rioli for Amon Compo and Frederick. Well, that probably sounds feasible, that second one. I don't think they need uh, to trade Rotham out for um, for um, Bowers. Trade pick 26 plus 38 equals picks 14 in points for Devon Robertson and a future third. Don't mind that. Um, although I'm not sure if he really suits their needs, Devon. Uh, on trade, aim on compo pick for Lloyd Meek. I like that. Eagles end up with picks two, Cadman, who you're big on. Seven, Ginby, who you're big on. 20, the best available mid, Robertson, Meek and Frederick. But like always, you can be genius when you're not the one having to do the trades and have no accountability if they fail. If the Eagles figure a way to get Cadman, Cadman and Ginby, I'd be a happy supporter. It's a good email. That is a good email. So my understanding is that it's not over the line that it would be Aaron Cadman, but he is one they've clearly shown interest in for several months. Now... Sometimes we hear about some of the players they're showing interest in and not all of the players they're showing interest in. So at the weekend, we heard they met with Cadman and his family, and they also met with Jai Clark, who's a Geelong boy midfielder. Um, both of those guys are considered somewhere between pick four and seven in the draft. Now, if you look at the Will Ashcroft being one of those picks above them, uh, so Will Ashcroft is one. I think there's a couple of guys. There's a kid called Elijah Sartis. Yep. And there's a kid called Harry Sheasel. And there's a kid called George Wardlaw. Now, George Wardlaw, many recruiters believe, is the best player in the draft. Problem with George Wardlaw is that he's got hamstring problem. Three times hamstrings this year. Yeah, it's for a kid. That's not a great sign for a kid. So it'll be interesting to see if someone will bite the bullet and back themselves in to get George Wardlaw's We were having this right. conversation before Chris Judd was drafted with his shoulder yeah. and Joel Selwood before he was drafted. The knee. With the knee. He and only got the 350 games out. <laughs> we should mention uh, Joel Selwood. <laughs> and got 12 touches in the first quarter of a grand final in the last of those games. Yeah, at, at 39. Uh, <laughs> great effort uh, by Joel Selwood, by the way. And I think the right call to retire. Yeah. You can't go out in a higher note. There's always the lure of back-to-back flags, but he doesn't need that. He's got four premierships. And you could tell the body language, not just from Joel, not not just from Hawkins and a few other of his teammates, but from his family in the grandstands. They all knew this was his last game. Yeah, so someone, and I can't remember who it was, was one of my contacts over East was talking about the trades that Geelong might be looking to do and the mail coming from the club was that Selwood was cooked, that this was going to be it and um, that he was going to get himself up to get through this year. So Tanner Broon. uh, Tanner Broon would be the guy, yeah. And they were into Jacob Hopper. As well, just didn't get him over the line. Interesting thing that Geelong do quarters, which they take seriously as a competitive advantage over the competition, they trade on a player's worth, not a player's potential. Uh, Sorry, they pay a player what he's worth, not according to potential. And they believe that keeps them in good stead over the competition. Of course, we need to say that they have a couple of very highly credentialed senior players, i.e., um, Tommy Hawkins and Joel Selwood, who've been very generous with what they've been prepared to play for. I think that if, helps. If you look at a lot of clubs who've won flags over the last 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of that sacrifice made. Yeah. I think Richmond, certainly Hawthorne, when they had their three peat, I'm not so sure about West Coast, but they, they have been prepared to sacrifice to get other players in. Yeah. 
this one from Sam. Hi, guys. Long-suffering Perth Demon supporter here. What do you guys think the appointment of Peter German as a coach will bring to the club? Well, it'll bring experience and it'll bring knowledge and he'll bring – and he's a very good coach. He won't hurt. No. It definitely won't hurt. Germo is a very highly rated waffle coach. We know that he coached um, Subiaco. That's a very strong club. You've always got to be careful if you rate – Waffle coaches too much on success with Subiaco because Subiaco was able to resource itself to a level that other clubs weren't able to. But he went to Peel for a while, didn't he, Germo? Yep. And he did well down there. He, t- he turned Peel into... I like the fact that he knows the competition intimately. Yeah. And look, we saw the excitement two years ago when Perth made the finals under the Duke Earl Sporting for the first time in forever. Yeah. We saw the excitement that was generated. I think the competition needs Perth to rise again, and I'd love to see them playing regular finals, and I don't think there's a better man than Peter German to coach them. So no competition benefits from having a club that's been as unsuccessful as Perth for as long as Perth have been unsuccessful. No competition. It's just not good for the competition. And Subiaco, who now say, oh, well, you know, we do well, catch and kill your own, Subiaco needs to be reminded that the rest of the competition banded together to stop Subiaco from going under back in the late 1970s. So it helps the competition if all their teams are strong and it doesn't hurt the competition if clubs give a weaker club or two of the weaker clubs a bit of a leg up to make them stronger. And now, bear with me with this email. We're going to get a few of them at this time of year because they're, they're draft possibilities. This one um, from Trav from Morak in South Australia who says, love the show and love the passion, keep it up. Hi, Duff and Quarters. I believe the Eagles need to get creative this draft and trade period with where the club is at. I think the draft's pretty good inside the top 20. So let me show you how we capitalise this year. Current picks, 2, 20, 26, 27 for Junior, Rioli and 38. So they go picks two to Gold Coast for picks five, rank and trade, and picks seven and bows. Brisbane need points. So picks 26, 27, junior, and 38, total of 1897 points. Four pick 15, 1112 points, and maybe Robertson. End up with picks 5, 7, 15, 20, Bowers and Robertson, both players fit age demographic. Players at picks 5 and 7, Clark, Cadman, Humphrey or Ginby. 15 and 20, Hewitt, Buslinger, George, Barnett. That's how we go from one top pick to many and getting great local and interstate kids. Good email. There's going to be a lot of that. This Good time. email. I'm not sure Buslinger gets through that far. Um, Hewitt might. Interestingly, Hewitt... So there's been... Sometimes when you're the main guy, the main kid out of WA, there's almost too much publicity about you. And Elijah Hewitt changed schools. There's been a bit of publicity about that as to you know how solid is he off the field, that sort of thing. My understanding is from people who know Elijah Hewitt very well is that Elijah Hewitt is solid enough off the field. He's um, made a couple of rookie errors, but he's pretty solid. Um, he played really well when going head-to-head against Will Ashcroft. So... I would have thought that if Elijah Hewitt was still there at the back end of the teens for West Coast, I would have thought West Coast would be jumping in real quick. Um, I don't think Bustlinger will be there. Um, And, uh, yeah, the rest of that email, it's a bit kind of like flight of fancy, 
you know. But wish, it's interesting. Wishing for too much. It's interesting what people come up with, though. And obviously, we've already talked about Bose not wanting to come to Perth, so mm. that throws a spanner in that works. I'm not sure that West Coast would want Bose as a um, $850,000 salary, no. just quietly. No, the pick seven might be nice. High quarters and Duff scratch. Oh, I'll try to condense. Uh, this one from Jonna from Dagleash. Uh, Re Lob, I would trade him now for maximum return. I rate Meek, but with Jackson arriving, we can get a win if we can secure a second round pick for him. How about asking the dogs for Jordan Sweet as a sweetener in the lob trade? He'd provide Frio with mature ruck death behind Darcy and Jackson. To Duff, what do you think of Frio's pursuit of Josh Corbett as a medium-sized key forward? I like the idea to take the pressure off Amos and Tracy. So, and that's exactly what that will be. Josh Corbett would be drafted as a depth forward, and he would be. They would be looking for him to play some AFL footy, but also play some waffle footy and be there in case. Uh, it all gets a bit much for one of the younger forwards or they don't measure up or they get injured. We've also got Sam Sturt in the wings. Yeah, so Sam Sturt, believe it when you see it with Sam Sturt, I think I was, he was a player I expected to play 15 games and kick 30 goals this year. That's how highly I rate Sam Sturt and that didn't happen. So when that doesn't happen, you have to ask the question as to whether it's ever going to happen. Maybe I just got him wrong. Hey, fellas, I've never understood why clubs delist players prior to the trade period where they could potentially be utilised. Players recently let go like Jared Brander, Liam Stocker, Quinton Narkel. Interesting, um, the local clubs might have a crack at Quinton Narkel. Tom Phillips, etc. surely still hold some currency, even if they are the steak knives in a deal. Thanks for another year of quality football chat. Kobe from Burrswood. They've probably done their due diligence on those players, though, I would have thought. And the reality is, is that... Clubs know, because there are fewer draft picks taken now, you know that once you get into the third round or the fourth round, the trade is not really that significant. This is why there's all these back-end trades get thrown backwards and forwards as steak knives in these deals like they're just confetti. They're all about sort of like balancing out points and those sorts of things. Clubs just... They won't trade for those players. I'll just think, let them delist him. If he's around when we get a later draft pick, we'll have a look at it. I'd be surprised if Narkel isn't at an AFL club next year. Uh, hi, Duff and Quarters. I just wanted to thank you both for another great 2022 footy season. I look forward to your summer casts. Thanks, legends. That's Dwayne Smith from Southern Rit. No question. Just thanking us. If we, we're oh, not, he's a winner. We're not, well, we're not <laughs> handing out a carton anymore. I'm sorry, Dwayne. But if we were, it would be you. If we see you at a pub, we'll buy you a drink. Good place, Southern River. That's where I got my um, my dog from, my chihuahua, little Jared Roughhead from. It's a good place. I uh, saw an almighty fight in the car park at the Southern River Tavern once. I bet you did. Good band, Southern River Band, too. I think our producer, Shannon, saw uh, Southern River Live last weekend. She's nodding her head. Yes. Uh, g'day, guys. This is more of a statement because you hear it's too hot to play footy in the Northern Territory, not when the AFL season is on, which coincides with the dry season. Uh, we had this discussion on Tuesday, I think. The dry season in the top end runs from May to October. Temperatures range from 21 degrees to 32 degrees with lower humidity of around 20 to 35% and there's little to no rain. It's like playing pre-season games in March in Perth, um, early April where you get your captain in the huddle revving you up with it's a perfect day for footy except this is year round the NTFL plays opposite to this in same temperatures 
but 80% plus humidity, and it could absolutely throw it down at a moment's notice. There's no ball-ups because it's like trying to tackle a giant, sweaty, slippery bar of soap. So everyone plays on, and the ball always pops out. But the AFL doesn't play between October and April, so we'll never have to worry about this. But perhaps, Duff, your Tropic Thunder name will get a run if Darwin ever happens. That's from Harris from Williton, another good email. Thanks, Harris. Um, What I would say is that things change in your body between summer and winter. It would be a big ask to send blokes who've been playing in a winter in Melbourne up to Darwin to play in 30-degree heat, with or without humidity. You get Your blood gets thick and the heat affects you more. It would be, it would be a big ask, a big ask. There's a second part to this. Uh, Harris has sent us another email. It's a little less personal, this one. He calls us Quartermain and Duffield. Oh. Jeez, Harris. In one email, we've we've gone from quarters and duff to. He might have been, he might have had four more beers and <laughs> gotten a bit more strident. Uh, it's okay. Thought bubble from Cameron letting his calf run off with his premiership medal on his farm. Is Geelong the only club the AFL has close to what could resemble the country rural lifestyle? We're just talking about this. Is this an advantage for them? Yes, it is. Not everyone wants to live in a big city and not everyone grew up in a city. There's another place, however, that is an hour's trip from Melbourne, has the country vibe, etc. Um, could Tasmania not position itself as another club that has these traits as well? Absolutely, Harris, I agree. I lived in Geelong for eight years and I can tell you it's a pretty cosmopolitan place. It's a really good city to live in and it's the gateway to the Bellarine Peninsula and to the Great Ocean Road. There's a lot to like about Geelong, I'm telling you. If, you, if, you, if you're just not really – and it's an hour from Melbourne so you can go there whenever you like, as I often did. I've been down there. I went to Apollo Bay down the Great Ocean Beautiful Road. Beautiful part of the world. It is great. Don't go swimming though. Why? Cold. It's a little bit oh, brisk. Yeah, summer's okay, mate, off the Great Ocean Road. I was down there in February quarters and I went in the water and it's fair to say that certain part of my certain parts of my body ceased to be where they were supposed to be. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. They went north. Looking for warmer climates. Episode from Seinfeld. <laughs> I was in the pool. <laughs> Hi, fellas. I'm likely going to receive a get a chamomile tea into your boater cup response to this email. Oh, here we go. But here goes. Um, I, actually, this is a serious topic. I thought it was quite ordinary from certain WA media types calling on West Coast to immediately respond to social issues such as the recent terrible report coming out of Hawthorne. I might add, just not media, but both West Coast and other team fans demanding they release a statement straight away. Yes, Fremantle sent out a short statement on the day, and that is great, but it's not a race to first, is it? I would rather a considered response and ensure all board and club hierarchies are consulted before releasing a statement. I'm interested in... In both your views from the media, is it a race to first? Was it that bad that a statement wasn't released instantly? I won't go on with it. I think WA clubs are probably the best in the league in Indigenous affairs and support. This is from Chris. I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, interestingly, yesterday we did shoot an out. Oh, I did. Uh, we shot another email out to West Coast and Freo asking had they acted on um, any reviews. Of course. Last week they said they were open to review. Uh, the response from Freo was they would discuss it at their next board meeting. The response from West Coast is they're taking um, consultation from the AFL. They're taking the AFL's lead on this one. So I don't th- expect any immediate review to be conducted. But I like the fact that they're open to review to review their history. And I think you're right. If um, I think those clubs have been um, leaders in this area. Well, they've had to deal with a lot of Indigenous mm. players. So when you do that, you get better at it. 
Um, and I think that both clubs have been very considered. That doesn't mean they will have been perfect. And uh, one of the interesting things, Quarters, is that if the, if the outcome over East is nuclear, what would be the incentive for any club to do a review? Yeah, that's yeah, – I'm not sure. I think – We've got to be careful that – see, my take on – But shouldn't we be – And I, I, I think I'm quite proud of a lot of the stuff I've written about racial prejudice. I, I use the term racial prejudice, not racism, because I believe that the minute you brand someone a racist, I think you've lost them. And I think the whole idea of reducing racial prejudice in our society is – doing exactly that, reducing it. So that comes through education, um, through inclusion, and trying to bring them along with the conversation and with the debate. Um, I think we need to be careful that we don't start tearing institutions down as part of all this. Because if if your aim out of this is to blow stuff up, basically what will happen is clubs will just go, no, we're not doing it. We're not subjecting ourselves to what's happening to... Hawthorne, North Melbourne and Brisbane at the moment. Because if the damage is too great, because some blokes said the wrong thing at the wrong time, like for the institution to get better, there has to be an institution. Yeah, I think most clubs are in a pretty good space in this area now. And I think Hawthorne's actually in a pretty good space in this area now. I, I don't have an issue with going back in the past and just reconnecting and seeing, because I think that whatever moves they need to make, they're already... 75% there. So if that's the case, then if you're saying that Hawthorne has already improved in this area, what is the gain for Hawthorne from this? Because I think I think you need to respect history and I think the truth needs to out. That's fine. That's fine. Well, that's my answer. Yeah. And I think we need to look at where what we... What happens if your entire institution just gets blown up? Yeah, blown I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Because I think... If, if these um, allegations are proved true, don't forget, these are just um, people moving through organisations. It's it, it, it may have been a little bit institutionalised at Hawthorne in the past, but these are, these are players, these are people passing through. It's not the club itself. So let me just reiterate my view on racial prejudice. It, it needs to be reduced and eradicated from our society, but I think you get there by education and by bringing people along with you, uh, not by blowing up institutions. And although I've always been massive on education through prep to year 12, making it a core subject I think I think it's, it is an absolute disgrace in Australia that we don't do more Indigenous education at our schools. Yeah, from, from the day you step into a pre-primary school to the day you exit year 12 and beyond, it should be a core subject. Yeah. And the only way is education, because there are people you can you can alter behaviours, but can you really change ingrained thought? I'm not sure. Well, it depends on how deeply it's ingrained. That's right. So the age is a factor there. Yeah. Well, thanks for your emails. Uh, provoked a bit of discussion there. A few DM and DNMs, but um, thank you. And uh, no carton to give away this week, Duff. But we'll still keep them coming. Keep them short. Let us know if you're from WA. In fact, it doesn't matter if we're not giving a carton. Send them from Botswana. Send them from Antarctica. It doesn't matter. Uh, but please keep them coming. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. We have been brought to you as usual by Tab Touch. Those with the touch can better their bet. Download Tab Touch today. 
Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.